Hey there, travelers. I'm Isabella. I'm Riley. I'm Angelica. And this is a True Crime International Layover. Isabella, where are you taking us today? So today we're tackling our first ever U.S. case. Woohoo! We pretty actively try to avoid U.S. cases, which is pretty much like the whole idea of this podcast is to do cases from other countries because the U.S. has just been done and done and done. Uh, but I stumbled upon this case the other day while I was watching Netflix, and I really wanted to talk about it. And just to preface, like all of the info from this case comes from three sources. It comes from people that knew the victims as well as the killer. And those people were Jeff Davis, Andy Bushell, and John Gallagher. I love it when like you get to hear from people that aren't the police. Like it exactly. just it just gives it a little something extra. Like yeah. more it's yeah. What's the word? Like pretty much all my information didn't come from the police it came from their rehashing of of the events and they're talking about you know their loved ones yeah. and, and all that stuff so that's incredible so today's case comes to us from miami florida have you guys been to miami yeah. <laughs> yes yeah. my sister's my sister used to live in south beach so i've been there quite a bit it's a place uh, it is not my vibe i do not like it there <laughs> it's a nice place to be like on occasion like for fun yeah. but i don't know if i would live there yeah um oh we went unless i was very rich and i didn't have responsibilities we went on vacation there riley i just yes we oh did my God. that was a good vacation um three of us slept in the same queen size yes, bed the whole time and i almost and caught on air, fire <laughs> and then the air conditioner uh plug basically sparked and exploded and melted i was so right next was to it it was trip. so scary <laughs> also funnily enough i was like researching uh cuban cases i was like cuban serial killers and <laughs> instead of taking me to cuba all of them were located in miami <laughs> and i'm like oh of course they were oh, great. <laughs> i think it's something like uh 42 percent of the people in in miami speak spanish as, as yeah. uh, a first language so yeah the whole state of florida though like no offense if you're from there but florida is just not my it's vibe. very interesting it's very chaotic florida's like chaotic evil i love clear water, <laughs> very much though. so <laughs> I have yet to go to a city in Florida that I have enjoyed. Like nothing like I I'm not going to like say anything bad about Florida. It just I just don't vibe with it. Whenever I'm in Florida, I very much enjoy my time there, but it, I've never found a city that I would like to like live in full time. Yes. Half time? Yeah. Maybe. Full time? Mm, mm, better not. Too too humid in the summer. <laughs> Too humid. Too hurricane-y. Forever. It's just always too humid. <laughs> yeah. This, like, the, the southern part of the United States in general, like Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, absolutely not too humid for me. Could never live there. Yeah. I say that as someone who will likely never live in the United States again, but... <laughs> Mood. Like, I left, I ain't coming back. Anyway. <laughs> so on April 30th, 2008, the body of Charles LeVay was found floating in a Miami marina by a couple spending an evening on one of the docked boats. LeVay had only been in the water for about an hour, which is a crazy short amount of time. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy that they found what? him in an hour. Also, 
that's a nightmare for me. Oh, litter. Oh, my yeah. God. I cannot even imagine At least that. they weren't in Ooh. the water. <laughs> I hope. Yeah. Yeah, they were on a boat. They were not in the water. They, they saw him floating. But, I mean, that's why he was found so quickly. Like, there was... There was nothing tied to him to try and weigh him down. Like, no one was really trying to hide the body. It was just a matter of dumping the body somewhere convenient, you know? That's nuts. Yeah. Now, LeVay was actually the third body found in two months in the Miami area. And though the places where the bodies were dumped were different, they all had the same MO. The first victim was a man named Daniel Brown, who was found partially buried in a sand dune. Which I didn't know there were sand dunes in yeah, Miami. Like sand definitely because of the beaches, but dunes? I feel like it must have just been a very, like, you know, the back of the beach where there's like yeah, these maybe one big of those. piles of sand? Like maybe yeah. maybe that's it. Could be. I'm not sure. The information on Daniel Brown, we don't have a lot because the the three people that I mentioned, they weren't his family or, or, or yeah, anything. Yeah, okay, so gotcha. We don't really have a lot of information on yeah. him. The second victim was Paul Hayes, who was put into a dumpster. And, like, that is really the least amount of effort. Yeah. Also, you have to be, like, kind of strong to get someone into a dumpster. Exactly. I have to take the garbage out at work. And, like, to get a bag of garbage and open the dumpster lid it's and hard. get the garbage in there, that's, it's that's, hard. that's a lot of work for me. It's it's a workout. When I worked at a when I worked at a restaurant, I would I was always on the closing shift, and that just really annoyed me. But that's not the point. <laughs> uh, part of the closing shift was taking out all the garbage, and I would have to do like two or three trips to the dumpster, and the lids were never left open. Like I had to open it and then get all this garbage in yeah. like, two three times, and I could never yep. take all the garbage out at once because they were too heavy, and I'm weak. Yeah. Do you remember? And then no one ever helped me. I did not yeah. like that job. We did maintenance once also to help out at our other workplace and like first of all people are so rude to maintenance workers be nice to your maintenance workers so rude um but it's really hard it's so hard (laughs) they're like strong but also there there's like this these are all three very different places yeah yeah but they definitely sound like places of like opportunity yeah like it was just like a quick okay gotta get out of here now Put them here. So all three men were between the ages of 25 and 35. They were all in really good shape and they were all asphyxiated with no signs of sexual assault. I just want to point out, I said, I said that word without screaming. <laughs> and <laughs> couldn't do it a second time. Asphyxiated. I have a hard time with yeah. that word. We're not friends. Yeah. All the bodies had personal items taken from them, but nothing was pawned. And this is very important for later. And also, all three victims were traveling. None were local to the Miami area. Interestingly as well, none of the hyoid bones were fractured, and there were no signs of ligature marks. So they were like... Because the hyoid bone, for those of you who don't know, that bone is typically broken when someone is strangled. And that's how they know that someone is strangled, because that bone is broken. Mm -hmm. But that's really interesting that there's no marks... The hyoid, bone, the hyoid bone is not broken. Yeah. So how do they but know? But you don't necessarily, like, the hyoid bone is typically broken when someone is strangled, like someone putting their hands around yeah. you and pressing down with their thumbs because there's a lot of uh, direct force. But you can, like, someone can be asphyxiated uh, in a chokehold 
without the hyoid bone breaking and without there being many marks because, you know, it's like the whole arm as opposed to like just your fingers, which are much smaller. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So at the time Charles LeVay was found, there were also four other men that fit that victim description missing in Miami. Oof. Oof. So this was like time is of the yeah. essence sort of case. So let's talk a little bit about the victims themselves. And like I said, I don't really have a lot of information about Daniel Brown because the people that I mentioned, they weren't his his family or anything. Um, but the second victim, Paul Hayes, he was married and his wife said that he'd been in Miami almost a week for a business trip. But when the police recovered his belongings from his hotel room, they found that none of his suits that he'd packed had been worn. Like they were still in their um, dry cleaning thing. And like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. That is really weird because it's like, even if he got them dry cleaned there, they probably wouldn't all be dry cleaned. There would probably Together, be at least one yeah. that's dirty. Yeah. So this tells me that he, he probably wasn't there for business, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So they also found his PDA, which do you remember those? The personal digital assistant oh, that was very like, vaguely yes. <laughs> state of the art in 2008. I had like a kid's version of yeah. it and I thought I was the coolest person And I could ever. never figure out how to get it to work. I think I bought mine at the Scholastic Book Fair. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I love the book fairs. <laughs> oh my God. That was like my favorite time when the book fairs were around. The the book fairs were lit. I loved the book fairs. So the police found his PDA, and even though there were appointments in there that were going that went back like six months, there were none made for the week that he was in Miami. Also suspicious. Mm -hmm. And then to add to that, police also found his wedding ring in the hotel room, which is pretty notable because he was found in running clothes, and like who takes off their wedding ring? To go for a jog. Yeah, that's only definitely... The only thing I can think of is sometimes I do because when I get like hot or like sweaty or my hands are like by my side when I'm walking a lot, swell my rings. fingers get a little bit swollen. Yeah, swell rings. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I have to take them off. Yeah. I don't really wear my rings in the summer because I get... You get swell really rings? Swole, my, my fingers <laughs> swell a lot, but still it's like, it's just odd, you know? Very, very odd. Yeah. Considering everything else, it's all. Yes. So the third victim, Charles LeVay, was actually a police officer. Oh, wow. Okay. Ooh. He was engaged to be married, but he was actually ID'd by a colleague, by his partner, actually, who then had to notify oh. his fiance. And I can't imagine having to do That'd something like so that. That sounds hard. awful. LeVay told his fiance and his colleagues that he was going to Miami for a regatta because he was like a boat guy, I guess. Mm -hmm. But when the police went to the club where he said he would be competing, they were told that they didn't have a regatta that week or even that month. The only time that they ever had regattas uh, was in September and it was April. Oh, well, Mm -hmm. that's also suspicious. That is definitely not close to September. (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) And I just feel like Charles could have done a little bit more research on regattas in Miami because that would be a really easy way to get caught if his wife, like, couldn't get a hold of him on his Mm -hmm. cell and decided to call the yacht club. Yeah. He'd get caught in, like, two minutes. Yeah. So the break in this case came when police found LaVey's rental car, 
like a lot of rental cars in 2008, it had an external GPS. And it's it's common practice to to wipe GPSs in between rentals because, you know, protecting personal yeah. information and stuff. And also, like, you don't want stuff pre-programmed except maybe the rental place. Mm-hmm. Um, but police are actually super lucky they got there in time uh, because they hadn't yet wiped the, the memory of the GPS. So was it... Was the um, rental car, like, in the lot, or did they find it somewhere else? No, it it had already been returned, I think. Oh. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. Well, then, yeah, they got really yeah. lucky. <laughs> but since they, since they got so lucky and they had that GPS data, they were able to find his last destination. That wasn't the rental car place. And it was a gay bar in South Beach. Oh. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to go to a gay so, bar in South Beach. I mean, <laughs> I would go to a gay bar most yeah. places, but honestly, yeah. South Beach. I'm Man, not sure. The one, <laughs> I, but I do wonder. Like, is it better than Nectow? It has to be, right? Bigger city, or is South Beach bigger than Ann Arbor? I don't know. I want to go to more gay. South spaces. Beach isn't a city. <laughs> South it's Beach is part of Miami. <laughs> It's like a certain place in Miami. Like, you can still search up South Beach and it'll take you there. Anyway, the point is, I want to go to more, uh, like, gay spaces. IML. Anyway. Anyway. So, yes. All of our victims were gay. Some were out and some were not. And some were married? One was married. One was engaged. Which really just bothers me because... If you're struggling with your sexuality, like that's fine, but you shouldn't like like they're they're hurting their significant others. They're hurting like he's ultimately like they're just gonna be hurting their their wife or their well, fiance. Usually you know? it's because of a s- s- internal struggle brought on by like society and mm-hmm. Oh, and stuff. I understand that and I, I can and I empathize yeah. with them, but you can empathize with someone that's doing something that's wrong. Because they're still hurting other people. Yeah, it's a rough situation. So police put together a profile of the killer that they were looking for. They figured that they were looking for someone who was in his mid to late 20s and in very good shape. Because all the victims were in good shape and they had obviously been easily overpowered, they were looking for someone that was like, not necessarily jacked, like South Beach South Beach jacked, but, you know, in very good shape, strong athletic yeah they knew that he was studying his victims because how else would you figure out that they're not local Mm. Mm -hmm. he had to have like had more than one conversation with them yeah definitely and uh police also figured that he was gaining the trust of his victims and that's why you know there are no mockings or anything on on the victims because they trusted him Mm -hmm. They knew he had to be intelligent, that he had to be charming, he had to be charismatic, because that's how you're going to gain someone's trust. And that's also how you're going to learn so much about them in such a short period of time. And they also figured he either frequented gay bars or worked at one. Okay. I mean, that would make sense. Yeah. And given the way that the men were killed, they figured that the killer would have to have some kind of defense training perhaps ex-military or something like that. 
Uh, because to be able to to properly do a chokehold like that would would take training. You wouldn't just know how to do that. We've we've discussed repeatedly how hard choking someone is. <laughs> yeah, and also chokeholds scare me. Yeah, it's I'm so just personal out there. <laughs> the last thing they concluded was that the killer was either committing hate crimes or having a difficult time coming to terms with his own sexuality and acting out in a extremely sinister way like if you're struggling with your sexuality again i empathize with you but you don't get to murder people like that's not an excuse the fact okay something that i have a very big problem with this and this was in the declan flynn case too is like people who aren't gay but then pretend to be gay Mm -hmm. for the sole purpose of then committing oh yeah like yeah. what like i don't if you're not gay then like d- like why would you act gay i feel like that's just gonna throw you off even more i i was yeah. listening to I, this just reminds me of uh a po- i was listening to a podcast episode because josh was of course he was uh it was neil degrasse tyson and he said something like if you don't like gay marriage don't get gay married. Like exactly. <laughs> literally. Just just don't just don't be don't gay. murder people. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, like uh, it's really very simple. Yeah, really. Cause it just doesn't affect you in any way. So why why yeah. should you care? Yeah. The odds of then like if you are not gay, a lot of people who are homophobic are like, oh my God, like the gay, gay people agenda. are gonna hit on me. Yeah, and they're they're gonna hit on me. And I'm like if you're like clearly very straight, I can almost guarantee you that no gay person is going to try and hit on also, you. Also, I guarantee that our only agenda is to be happy. That it's is very it. obvious how scarily straight you are. <sighs> and I don't think I don't think straight people realize yeah. that. But you know they put things in the water that turn the freaking frogs gay, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's tough. It's that water. <laughs> yeah. If you don't want to be gay, only drink bottled water. It's the only way. <laughs> I mean, they could even they could even put stuff in that too. You never know. No one's really safe. I guess you just shouldn't drink water. I guess maybe you should only drink sodas from Chick-fil-A. Or you should just be gay. <laughs> just embrace the gay. It's fine. <laughs> this has been our little um, us being members of the lgbtq side <laughs> yes this is a this is a sponsored message from your lgbtqs but uh now a sponsored message from the gays <laughs> anyway during the investigation so while police were uh looking into these three deaths another body was found and this was the body of a man named deacon rogers who was from texas so not local and he was found in an alley behind a gay bar. Oh, wow. And actually, a couple blocks away from there is where they found LeVay's badge, mm. which oh. made police think that the killer was possibly using the identities of his victims, which would make sense because, remember, he wasn't pointing off any of the things that oh, he was stealing. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was just using. Yeah. Oh. And also, if it's only a couple blocks away, you know that his, like... The place where he is going to be is within that couple block range. That's where he's comfortable. Yeah. 
Well, not necessarily, and I'll, I'll explain okay. in a sec. Okay. Um, the killer actually really fucked up with this one, uh, because he killed the he killed Dink Deacon behind the the bar, and like right after a busboy came out to have a cigarette on his break, and you know he was like, "Oh my god, what's going on?" And so the killer is like, "Oh my god, we were just mugged." I'm a cop. Oh, I got to go get God. the muggers and just ran away. Oh, my God. So he must have just dropped the badge while he was running away. Uh. Oh, yeah. my. That is like clever on another level. Yeah. But I actually think this is really I think this is really funny. The busboy couldn't really give a description of the killer except to say that he was just a white guy because the alley was dark and he ran away. But like that's honestly a fear of mine is being in a situation where I have to describe someone that's just so generic. Yeah. He just looks so average. And you're like, he had brown hair and brown eyes. And he was white. Yeah. He's like 5'9". He was white, brown hair. But like that could be yeah. so many people. Uh, I just thought that was really funny. He's like, look, this was just a white guy. Yeah. Couldn't tell you anything I can't say else. anything else about him. And, and I feel like the police already, I mean, like they already kind of knew who they were looking for a little bit. So it's like. Mm. Yeah. So with not a whole, like, they knew who, they, they, they sort of knew who they were looking for and they had four bodies, but they didn't have any, like, DNA or anything. So without any other options, the police started to look into the other missing men that fit the victim profile just to see if anything was there. And they noticed that the first two men that went missing went missing on the same day, which is interesting. So they decided to interview the families of both of these men to see if they had crossed paths or to like, and to like, I don't know, just, just, just to see. So the first person that went missing was from Oakland Park, which is just north of Miami. And the other person had flown to Miami for a wedding, but he actually never even made it to his hotel. Hmm. Crazy. Yeah. Hotel? God. He never made it. So the missing person from Oakland Park was named Stephen Fitzgerald, and police interview his father, who was a prison guard, a devout Christian, and just a raging homophobe. <sighs> and Stephen was a person who was struggling with his sexuality, and his father essentially tried to just beat him straight, God. basically. That's so... That does not oh. work. Let me tell you. Let me tell you right now, it does not work. Yeah. No. And his so Steven's sister was really the only one that was there for him and she gave him the money to get a bus to Miami to get away from the situation. Oh. Which that's a good sister, yeah. but she ended up really regretting it because of what happened. Anyway. Um I think you could probably guess now that Steven is our suspect number 1. Yeah. Because yeah. since his father's a prison guard, his his father has the the training. Yeah, that would be required to know how to properly. Put also, in a choke I hold. hate to say this, but like, he might have even like done that to Stephen. Yeah, probably. I, I wouldn't doubt it. That's probably how Stephen learned it. Yeah. So while they were talking to Stephen's family, the next victim was found. He is like on a spree. Really on a spree because this is all happening in a two month period. There's like no cooling off. Yeah. Um, this victim was a German hitchhiker named Michael Aldridge who was found strangled in Deacon's car. Oh my God. Which had been abandoned on the side of the road. 
Oh my wow. god. He's really just like stealing things, pretending to be these people, murdering someone, and then stealing that person's identity. Yeah. Yeah. That's nuts. So the big downfall for Stephen was uh, the police found a receipt in Michael's pockets um, from a hostel. So they figured Stephen, if he's pretending to be Michael, is going to go to a hostel. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's like taking on the, like the personas of these people. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Stephen, sorry. So they started looking for Stephen at all the local hostels and they eventually tracked him down to one in North Miami and they found him just like calmly playing cards with another guest. Oh God, in the that's room. eerie. Because right? why would he be? And I just, imagining being that other guy, oh my God. Just like, what? What? You said what? Honestly, probably wouldn't be the weirdest thing that's ever happened in a hostel. Yeah, yeah, for no, sure. Def- definitely not. Not to shit on hostels. I pretty much only stay in hostels and I love them and I haven't had a bad experience, but you know, yeah. they're still hostels. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they got Steven and they arrested him and I actually can't tell you about the trial because there wasn't one um, because this is an April Fool's joke. <laughs> <laughs> April oh. Fool's. This story is actually an episode of Criminal Minds. It's not real. I'm very sorry if you feel duped. Yeah, Jeff Davis is the creator. Andy Bouchel wrote it. And John Gallagher directed the episode. It's episode, or it's season three, episode 17. It's a good one. Yeah. It is a good one. It is a good episode. Because while this is a joke episode of ours, situations like this do happen in real life. Yes, so, they very much do. Also, Riley and I love Criminal Minds. So I love Criminal Minds. We we love it. I'm not a huge fan. We hope you're not mad at us for this April Fool's joke. Yeah. But yeah, either way, mad. if you if you liked the case, go watch Criminal Minds. Yeah, it, it's better. Yeah, you can go watch the episode. This is better than pinching someone, in my opinion. Yeah. Wait, that's yeah, not seriously. April Fool's. No, that's that's, that's St. Patrick's, Patrick's Day. Day. If you don't yeah. wait. We're green. <laughs> um, so this is better than like a pregnancy prank, which is what everyone does. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for sitting through our, our joke episode. Yes. Please don't be mad at us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we just figured there's an extra Thursday this month. So why not have a little fun? If you just if you just want to follow us on social media. It's at True Crime INTL on Instagram, and we also have a Facebook group, which is growing, and people are getting more engaged, which is awesome. Um, so come chat with us on there. We also have a Patreon if you want more content. It's not joke content, I promise. We only have one level. Some of currently. it's joke content, it's, but like not as no, not like this. Like we not this. joke around. <laughs> we only have one level currently. It's five dollars a month. So if you enjoy the show and you would like more, and that's a fair price to you, we would love to see you over there. We will shout you out on the show. Uh, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, uh, please leave us a five-star review because it helps more people find the show. It helps us grow. Um, and if you have any constructive criticism for us, you can, again, interact with us on our social medias uh, because we are looking for ways to improve the show. And unless you talk to us, we can't do that because we don't know what you like and what you don't like. We can't read your minds. Nope. You got to talk to us. No. Uh, so we hope you decide to go watch criminal minds and talk to us <laughs> and we hope you enjoyed your stay here at true crime international bye, bye.
Bye. Bye.